Welcome to Rooster Radio, where we talk to interesting people doing amazing things. I'm Andrew Montesi with James Begley. A year ago, almost to the day, Rooster Radio co-host James Begley unpacked the hardest year of his life in raw detail in episode 100 of our podcast. A lot of listeners were a bit stunned. Seems not many people understand the financial and personal impact that running a startup can have. After posting the episode, Beggs got calls from concerned mates, and I also had calls from people wondering if he was doing okay. But there are many gold nuggets on business and resilience in that episode, so make sure you wind back to episode 100 if you haven't already. Now, a year later, a follow-up. A lot has happened since that fateful episode 100. The roller coaster has continued, including some amazing successes and achievements. Pixstar got funded, launched new tech, grew significantly. The future looks bright, and yet, of course, the unknown always remains. So in this episode, I put Beggs under the microscope. Enjoy the insights and reflections. All right, we're back with Rooster Radio, and back in the hot seat is Mr. James Begley, CEO of Pickstar. Now, Beggs, we're picking up where we left off almost a year ago, where um, we talked about you surrendering to the unknown. You uh, unpacked the challenges of the year that was, 2017, in quite some detail. We got a lot of feedback. I think you got a lot of calls from people saying, are, are you okay? okay? Well, you were shocked by how much feedback we got too. I was. I, it was good. You. Um, what? Why do you think the episode resonates? Why do you think people, besides my general health and well-being, <laughs> their concern for me? Well, it was episode 100, which was where Rooster raised the bat, I think it was. Uh, so that was big. That attracted our huge audience anyway. But I think people love um, real, genuine authentic content where people actually talk about the hard stuff, um, particularly with the whole startup and business thing. You know, there's so much bravado, so much crap is spoken. And then there you were talking about all of the hard bits. I think too, because we were in the middle of the unknown, I think where we left it was that there was still a whole heap of unknown. It was a cliffhanger. It was a cl- with Yeah, with no real ending. So the ending's playing out. But I, I guess, yeah, I think from my own point of view, it was great to sit down and, and reflect back on, on that time and be pretty open about it because it's not often that you can talk about it objectively. You spend most of your time emotionally involved. Um, and so it was good just to sit down and kind of like plot it out and remember what happened. So for those who didn't listen to episode 100, I suggest you do, but we will um, do a quick recap. So where were we at that point in time? Well, I think we had made a decision mid-last year that we were going to sort of get past our stalled investment, which was causing a lot of grief. And, you know, we were effectively funding the business, you know, out of the director's pockets. And racking up some credit card bills. So I think where we, we did the the last interview was that we're on the brink of, of trying to raise some money and we might have been in the process of trying to raise some money, but we'd identified, you know, a pretty clear mission and that was to, to reduce some debt. Uh, it was to, to generate um, enough uh, new funding that we could cover our website cost uh, the, the, to build the system that we've always wanted to build. And, and then give us a little bit of working capital to get us through to, to mid 2018, where we thought we'd been a pretty good, 
um, place to, to raise some more money. Uh, I think on top of all of that, you had, uh, I'd sold an investment property, I'd sold my car, um, my wife was in labour, um, and so you had all these moving parts that were all culminating in a pretty stressful December, actually. But we got some good news, um, of course, bringing a whole heap of other challenges. But to go to the next step, so you did the Christmas round, and you managed to pull together in, in pretty quick fashion a group of people to, to help us kickstart things. I think that probably deserves a little bit of elaboration because... You know, it started with myself, Pav, um, a bit of help from the board, and yourself, and we kicked around this this IM document, which which kind of was a bit of a, it was a working document, wasn't it? It was it had about a hundred revisions, oh, so many revisions, numbers, strategies, but it was an incredibly important uh, process because, you know, to put all the strategy of the business down in a document that you're then going to give to investors forces you to be really clear. And we, you know, we worked through that over a couple of weeks and then Pav and I hit the, the pavement and I think we, we might have had about 20 coffees with a series of people with our IM and we wanted to raise 300K. That was what we were after. We thought that was going to give us a good shot to, to achieve what I, what I mentioned before with the website and then giving us enough working capital. And we did an amazing job and we oversubscribed and, we, you know, effectively raised it, I think, in totality in about six weeks. So it was epic. But that was a quick fire round, wasn't it? It wasn't, um, you know, like a, a proper lengthy process where the business was going to run for 12 months plus. And that was to help us smash out the tech that we've been talking about for bloody two years. <laughs> yeah, the... It was, you're right. It, it wasn't, you know, in a perfect world, you wouldn't do it like that. You wouldn't do a, a rapid fire round. And, um, and I think to our credit, we, we, we talked with all the investors about the need to do a serious round mid this year. And I think it's a testament to, to Pav's network and, and a little bit of mine that we were able to, to bring that money together. But the, the brilliant part was that it wasn't just people who are going to provide money is that, that Two or three of them are strategically really important and have probably f- f- led into how we've gone about raising money this year. So it, we were really fortunate like that. So there were really three massive things happening at the time. There was the first round, there was re-kickstarting the tech, and then you probably had the second round, which is really the proper round of funding, in the back of your mind as well. I remember you and I sitting... And I think it was like we, we gave ourselves our first day back at work early January, but we decided to start it off down at uh, Summerland Park or somewhere like that by a cafe. And I remember it was like, it was, would have been January 7 or something. And, you know, we were beginning to, to, to close all the funds. All the money was almost in the bank. And I remember looking, plotting out and going, oh, we've got enough money now. If we spend X amount on our website, we probably get through to May, June. And we need to start this process in the next couple of weeks. Like I do remember that feeling of really no, no break in between closing the Christmas round and then needing to go into the preparation of, of getting enough money to, to then, you know, give us a future. Mm. So really doing that in parallel with the tech. Perhaps let's look at the tech stuff first because not just a typical brochure website this is the business we've been talking about it for for two years that this 
automation, this innovation of the whole way that people book talent was going to actually change the game. And we've been talking up for that long mm. and obviously hadn't really delivered anything. So push comes to shove, all of the wireframes, the planning, it's all there. Get the money to the developers and then bang, we kickstart it again. How did you see that process? I just remember um, feeling really sapped of energy in January. Do you remember when we, mm. as a team, Jess, myself and you go, what's going on? Like this is, we've got the money now and we're about to start building out the website. Why are we so mm. flat? Yeah, that's right. I remember that. We were really flat. And I think it was because leading into January required a huge amount of energy. And then the whole process of building out this website, scoping out the requirements, um, you know, thinking about how this beast of a system is going to fit together actually requires a huge amount of thinking and effort. And on top of that, don't forget, we have the pressure of trying to maintain and hit goals that we had set in our IM. So not only do we have to put a huge amount of energy into building the website we talked about, but we had to still grow mm. and we still had to drive and we still uh, revenues. We still had to handle our clients in a very sort of manual way. And, and that, I think it dawned on us in January, like this is hard work now. Mm. Well, it was hard, hard work last year, but. Remember it didn't feel real because we kind of, we'd started the process already. Like we'd done mm. the wireframes, we'd done so much work and then it obviously got paused when the funding went dry to then restart the process. It was, it was so hard to see that one day this thing could become real. I don't think we believed that it was going to happen probably until the day it went live. Like yeah. we just didn't think about it because we've talked about it for that long. Um, but the, I, I knew that we've come this far and, you know, putting in the effort to, to go that last little bit, bit was going to give us the ammunition to, to raise again. And if we could go to, you know, sort of more serious investors to say, this is where we've got to without a system that's efficient. Here's our growth. Here's our revenue growth. Here is the wireframes or the basis of our new website. Look how exciting this is. I, you know, I just, I just knew that that's a pretty compelling story. And, um, you know, to, to our credit, I think, I think we just managed that really well. Mm. So I won't bore listeners with too much of the detail of the tech process, but it was about, what, three months? Four months. Four months. Yep. Including the scoping, a month of scoping. Yeah. So a month of scoping, which is more chit-chat about the site, which we just absolutely loved, not really. <laughs> and then um, three months of our team, Codium, um, smashing it all out. And then it came to uh, the crunch day when we were going to go live, and we talked about it all the time. You know, we've been making all these assumptions. It was fingers crossed. Well, that- do you want to maybe just explain, I guess, the thing that we were most hesitant about, and especially with the user experience yeah. and the shortlisting? Because that was, that's pivotal. Yeah. So from, for listeners who haven't checked out Pickstar, you can obviously at pickstar.com.au, but we we're completely overhauling the way that people find and book sports talent. So typically it's done by, you know, through managers or through hustlers on phones, uh, brokering these deals. We wanted to open up the process, 1,000 talent registered on the site, give consumers the ability to obviously hit the homepage, find out what we're all about, and then browse stars. So browse 
profiles, filter, shortlist based on their own needs, then the final step of filling out their brief with their budget and then submitting it to our team to vet. And then once it was vetted, we would press the button and then the shortlisted talent would be notified. So that opportunity would also be placed on the billboard for the rest of the talent to see and apply for. So I hope you can kind of understand what I'm talking about without seeing it in front of you. That obviously hadn't been done before. We always assumed that this would work. Um, but the reality is you don't know until you go live and you have real users. We had people testing it and the testing process identified some really good learnings about, about the way that, um, you know, typical, typical, typical average punters would actually use the system, but still you don't know. So that's what we were sweating about on that day. And, um, we went live. It was all good. People started using the site. And I remember the first request going through the entire system. It was just a beautiful thing. So someone hit the home page. They built a short list. They went through the process of filling out a brief, submitted the request, and it came through to us, and it worked. And we were like, oh, it was that. It was that pure relief. Yeah, you can't describe that feeling. And I don't think the budget was much. That no, would have been 500 bucks. Yeah, it, it wasn't about the size of the opportunity. It was more that, that turnkey opportunity that we'd always envisaged. And it was giving the consumer the power to kind of almost like a shopping cart select yep. on a wish list who they and it would was, love. It was someone who had had no previous interaction with Pickstar, had, had no experience booking talent. I remember it was, it might have been a school mm. from memory. And the teacher or whoever it was had just gone through the process, through our experience and through our system and got through to the other side and we thought, okay, we're onto something here. I guess another aspect to it was that, that all the guys from Coding, which was a really nice gesture, our agency who built the site, uh, they all came into the office um, and, you know, when we pressed go live, uh, it was champagne and... Um, you know, it was a, a really good milestone. I think we, we knew that it'd been a huge amount of work. No one else would understand what it took to get us to that point. I, I just remember a huge amount of relief for about three minutes. And then, you know, another thing that I've learned is that you then just begin to place your, um, nervousness and, and concern into another set of things, you know, mm. like that's done tick. What else am I going to worry about now? Mm. Yeah, and there was still so much stuff for us to be investing energy into. I mean, with the site live, it gave you the ability to start having serious conversations about the next round of funding. So that went into overdrive. Of course, when you launch a new site, there's just ongoing bug fixes. We started looking to build out our own tech team. But to perhaps come back to the funding, do you want to just unpack some of the detail around that? Mirroring the evolution and growth and maturity of the business, I guess, this round was, again, a more mature, more professional approach. So before Christmas, it was a bunch of coffees and it was high net worth individuals. And then this time it was engaging, uh, you know, a, a serious corporate advisory firm um, who've, uh, Fortisago, who've had a track record in, in, in this space. And they, we had some early discussions and then that process got to the point of Fortisago putting forward a term sheet. And I'd 
didn't really understand what a term sheet was prior to this. Oh, and before then, we'd done another 45 IMs, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the working document, we hadn't stopped working on it, have we? No. Uh, <coughs> and, you know, the, the term sheet was a new experience because, <coughs> excuse me, in effect what happens is with a, with a third party, you're kind of arranging a deal but not really doing the deal yet. And so the term sheet elaborates on all the key ingredients, like let's agree on all the big things should this deal go through. And then there's a, a period of time by which that term sheet is is active and it gives the opportunity for Fortis Argo to go and raise the money. And, um, you know, I, I just remember feeling really relieved once that term sheet was agreed to that, I could handball or I could share the load with another bunch of people in terms of bringing the money in. <coughs> and, and that, but again, that was people go, Oh, well, you raised a million dollars and what did it feel like to raise it and then have it? And I'm, my mind, it was just this series of months where you're refining, you're agreeing with, with Fortis Argo and then they're going out and you're helping them raise the money and you're, and you're being the front of the business and, and so it's it's a six month it was a six month process mm. and there is no euphoric moment you, you're absolutely knackered <laughs> and you fall over the line you fall over the line your bank balance just increases. What was that experience like working with a firm to help pull together the deal because people have their different views about bringing in third parties for these type of arrangements? Yeah, there's always pros and cons, um, and ultimately my view was that you're dealing with a person, you're not dealing with a firm, and so Tennyson, who who led the round, um, you know, he had to be the right person, and you know he was always going to take a, a position on the board should the deal come off. So they're not just raising the money; they're they're, they're becoming a part of your business, and um, and it was good that that process took six months because. You know, it is a courting process. You, you, you're, you're feeling each other out. He's getting a really good idea of the business and the metrics and the way that we've done things. And, and we get a sense of how he thinks and his strategy. And, you know, you and I both thought after the first couple of meetings that I guess the strategy that they had in mind, Fortis had in mind, was, a, was actually a really accurate, positive strategy for the growth of the business. Mm. So having pulled it together, what are your thoughts on the makeup of the investor group? Um, yeah, maybe tell us a bit more about the, the people that have um, become involved in the business. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't be happier. We've got a cohort that have tentacles and, and a history out of Silicon Valley and, and that I think gives us a really good bridge should we want to do something internationally or when we do something internationally. We've got, you know, some elite sports people again, um, who are, we can't really disclose their names. But one of them's an Australian uh, cricketer, a past champion. So uh, that's of value, especially if we move into the UK. Uh, and then we've got, I think, some investors who will continue to be able to help us raise substantial funds. So, mm. you know, the mix of it, I think, is is good and. Um, I'm looking forward to leveraging off that in mm. the next little bit of time. And the thing is, it's it's not just money. Like that's what I've what's excited me is the guys that have got involved. You know, particularly you know if you look at the ex sports stars, they bring huge networks, international networks 
as well as their funds. Then the other guys, it's dudes with serious experience with tech startups who have proven track record. And they know the metrics. Yeah. Like yeah. They, they, you, you, can, you can ring them up and they'll say, here's five ratios and <clears throat> formulas you've got to consider. What is it, you know, how does it apply in your world? And, and all of a sudden you've got a, a starting point. Mm. So another, you know, fall over the line, another hit of money's in the bank, but then it, the whole dynamic of the business changes again. What are, what's on the agenda now? What are the new set of challenges? Well, the, the next set of challenges is about growth and not really whether growth can happen, it's the speed of that growth. One of the things that we were you know, concerned about was are people going to use the system like we thought they would? Can I give you a sip of water? You yeah, just... thanks. Let me just, let me just a bit parched, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Ben Tripodi at the water cooler. Oh, every day that bloke's filling up his bottle <laughs> over it. <laughs> um, you know, the concerns were around are people going to use the site like we thought? And we had a month where we sort of like, as you would say, was, we were kind of in limbo, you know, kind of in a state of purgatory. We are sort of unknown. And then the floodgates really have opened up since July. So what we're, what the challenges are now are making sure that, A, we have the metrics that are solid. What are our goals? You know, what are our, our number of new clients that are acquired, what, what's the cost to acquire those clients look like, um, you know, how much money is it going to cost us to hit our markers? And, and then there's the team, there's the structure of the team, I mean, to deliver on that. <clears throat> Excuse me. What, maybe, what's maybe, wrong with you? Chat's begly, never. <laughs> it never burns out. Never, no, the, it's like the petrol's run out. Um, just leave it here. Yeah, you yeah. better keep the water. Um, I can't even remember where I was. Growth, growth metrics. Yeah. So, the, so, so is is the is the speed of the growth going to hit our allow us to hit our metrics? And and do we have the team to to execute on that? And on top of all of that, we've been in the process of migrating our our web platform from the agency in house. So we've we've. Um, We've employed a, a senior web developer and a, and a more junior web developer, David and Dara. Dazzling. And devilish. And, um, and so that's a, that's a big and important function within the business. So we need to continue to act like and smell like and feel like a tech business. And that's an interesting transition as we do that. And you just, you just never feel comfortable. Like hmm. we, we get so pumped when the, Booking requests come in when we close deals and it's so good. You know, one week we smash all of our metrics, but then there's, then the next week comes and you start from scratch and you do it all again. And then, you know, I've got you, if it's been five minutes and we haven't got a booking request, you're pacing around nervous <laughs> in the office. Well, I did say that to my wife recently. I, you know, in fact, this week I went home and, you know, I was a bit ho hum and I think we'd probably had, our third or fourth biggest revenue month of all time. We've done, we did the more, we did more bookings in the month than ever before. And I'm like, yeah, you know, the, yeah, you're I, flat. I still think we left a bit on the table <laughs> uh, and we'd hit all our markers. So that is something which I think can drive performance, but you do need to continue to remember where are we, where have we come from? Um, and 
are we celebrating those small wins? Because it would be really easy for the team to just go down this path of like, well, we're never succeeding and what are we doing well? Mm. But, I mean, how would you describe the evolution of, you know, the operations, especially in your world, from maybe six months ago to now? From my perspective, it's been amazing. I mean, as, you know, looking after growth and, and marketing, you know, for two years I've been playing my role with a handbrake on. So, and just thinking about all the things that we would do if we, you know, had a new site, if we had some resources. And again, it felt, it felt like we never would. So it kind of felt like this dream. And then all of a sudden, I remember, Think the site went live, and then in the same period, we announced partnerships with I think four or five elite athlete associations, which we'd been talking about for two years, and they got done. And then all of a sudden, this, I turned on some of our um, online campaigns that I'd wanted to do for ages because we had no site and no money, we couldn't do so. All of this stuff that I'd been talking about for so long, all of a sudden, just unlocked. And I remember thinking, this is what it feels like. Like this is brilliant. I think from that point, from my perspective, it's just been amazing just to actually do stuff and, and have the freedom to try things to, um, also act on our word mm. a bit. Like I was getting almost frustrated where we'd been talking so much and we, we started the ball rolling with so many people, partners, uh, whatever that I was almost feeling like, geez, we've been talking a bit of crap. Now it's actually time to do some stuff mm. and that brings the next challenge which is well there are now no excuses mm. like we've we've made all these promises now we've got to deliver and i think midway through last year where i decided that we needed to have control in our own hands we had to stop waiting for the stalled funding and i remember thinking let's just find out you know let's just if this is all going to go down let's go down the flaming heat because it, the idea does not stack up. Not, we couldn't execute on it because we had funding problems. We never got there. And, and I think a lot of people, and I've watched a lot of people like balk and hesitate from getting to that point where they truly find out whether their idea stacks up. Hmm. Um, because it is scary. It's scary to go, we've got all the funding in the world and it's just a shit idea. Like that, that's worse than going, you know, well, you know, we didn't have the money or I didn't have mm. the resource, I didn't have the CTO, I didn't have this, I didn't have that. Well, you know, now we're in a position where we are going to find out. And if we don't succeed, it's just because we couldn't execute on an idea that maybe wasn't good enough. Mm. Um, I'm convinced it won't. In fact, the first three or four months, I've, I think we've proved that it, it, it more than works. Um, so, but that again is daunting. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I don't know. I think as, as you hinted, always taking those opportunities to enjoy the stuff that works in the moment. Like I, I think everything that's been achieved in the last five months or so, like it's huge Mm. from the funding to the website, like those big ticket items, getting a full page spread in the Herald Sun, which just. Why don't you talk, why don't you talk through the, the 90 minutes after having one and a half minutes on a current affair. Yeah. So this was only a couple of weeks ago where, you know, a current affair contacted us and they wanted to do a story. And like, to be honest, we were 
a bit flat. Not not flat, but we we didn't jump all over it. We had a heap of other stuff on, and to their credit, they really made the running, and they they pushed this story. They did everything possible. They really helped us. They um, you know they allayed any type of fears we might have had about a current affair and that sort of stuff. I was just waiting for the moment where you know that Tracy Grimshaw rocks up <laughs> on my you know doorstep saying I've scammed some young kid for a birthday party with a <laughs> sports star. Um, so there was absolutely none of that. And then Monday night rolls around and they're going, yeah, the story's going to go to air. We're all like, oh, yeah, cool, whatever. I was in Melbourne, team's back in Adelaide. Story goes to air, went really well, that's nice. I happened to skim across on my laptop to our live analytics and there were a 1,000 people on the site <laughs> at that one point in time. I thought, that's a little bit above average, as Zoolander <laughs> would say about his voicemail. <laughs> and then, but things started to stall, and we we started to notice that, oh crap, the site's gone down. So for whatever reason, I mean, of course we weren't expecting that much traffic at all. Yeah, but it was traffic, but also, I mean, you you could explain it better than me. But all was- of the inquiries and requests started coming through. So. Ding, ding, ding. Emails are coming through. Booking request, booking request, booking request, booking request. Like it was just nuts. Um, so all of us, all of the team are online talking about, okay, how are we going to get the, the site back up? Contacted the, the development, development team, Codium, who are really good, quick to respond. They managed to patch up a few things and get the server going. All up, I think it was four minutes of downtime or something, mm. which is a pretty good result. I think 10%, they said 10% of the traffic yeah. couldn't get through, but, um, to give some context of the volume. So it was about 4,000 visits to the site, I reckon, oh, related yeah, to Yeah, more than that in a 24-hour period. But we had, we had as many bookings in, in 48 hours as a result of that than we pretty much did prior the system in about, about three months. So we mm. had three months worth of booking requests come through in 24 hours post the current affair going live. And it's great. Like I I completely underestimated the impact. Mm. Um, and I really, I should have known better when I think about it. Like a current affair still has a massive audience, very mainstream audience. The story they did on Pixar was a very accessible mainstream type of angle. It was hire a celebrity for a tiny budget. Mm. <laughs> so it gave everyone with any interest in sports stars an opportunity to just hit our site and just throw something into the system. And they absolutely did. Yeah. I think Dusty Martin had numerous birthday requests. Birthday party appearance requests. But now that was an amazing experience and a really good test for us as well. And fortunately, I mean, and look, we have grown the team from three of us full time now to seven in the space of three or four months. Um, we've, effectively, uh, you know, times the volume of what we do by about two and a half in, you know, in terms of revenue and, and, uh, and the number of booking requests and successful connections. So this last three months, I mean, you know, all the pressures and issues associated with no money and personal world and trying to fund the business and we're just creeping along and we're just surviving. And, and, and in, in doing that, it just gives you the opportunity to hang in there long enough to then hit a moment where in four months, the nature of what you do just radically changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I knew something must have changed because, because Cass, one of our newest additions, mentioned that the office is uh, actually quite, um, you know, professional. And I'm like, well, geez. 
times changed a little bit. Give us a spell. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it made me realise that actually mm. we, we've changed the nature of what we do in a really short space of time. Mm. So my final point, uh, I guess if we go full circle and bring it back to that fateful episode 100, I think it was titled Surrender to the Unknown. How do you feel about that now? Um, is there still unknown or do you feel more certain about, about the future? There's still unknown. There's still a lot of unknown. I think I'm just incredibly proud of what we, what we did. And I think I'm enjoying the growth uh, of the business be, uh, you know, because of that hard patch last year. Like the richness of the experience right now, as opposed to if we were just a business that started from scratch 10 months ago, I think is far more extreme because of literally where we were, like probably less than 10 months ago. You know, things were on tenterhooks 10 months ago, and so it is bizarre to feel like my whole world has drastically changed um, in 10 months. And, and you know, it, I probably feel better equipped for the next chapter of Unknown because we've got through that bit, mm. you know, and that was hard. And the next bit will be hard, but we got through it, and I, we'll get through the next bit. And um, yeah, without the support of yourself and Jess and Pav and our chairman John, um, you know, I, I don't think that would have been possible. And I look forward to, you know, leaning on everyone again for the next uh, the next edition of the unknown. Very good. Well, um, no doubt we'll continue to unpack this story, hopefully sooner than than another year, but. Um it's it's been a really good chat as always. No, you're a, you're a very very good interviewer. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Rooster Radio. Connect with us at roosterradio.biz. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player, and if you like what we're doing, leave us a review. 